Welcome to Medicus Podcast, any and all things related to medicine. Today, we have a non-traditional student talking about her journey, transition from marketing to medicine. Hope you enjoy. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Medicus Podcast. Today, we have a non-traditional series, transitioning from marketing to healthcare. And we have a special guest, Cheryl Zhang. She is a first year at Stritch School of Medicine, and she's here to talk about her process, her journey to going into medical school and being a physician. All right. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay. Cheryl, for people and guests who do not know you, can you just kind of tell us about yourself? Okay. Well, so I graduated from Kalamazoo College in Michigan. And when I graduated, I graduated with a dual degree marketing and well actually technically business and psychology mm -hmm. dual degree mm -hmm. and then i worked in marketing for a couple years so mm -hmm. initially what a lot of people don't know is initially i started in automotive because michigan is a mm -hmm. big automotive state with mm -hmm. detroit being like the motor city mm -hmm. or whatever right, right and so i started in corporate marketing at a mm -hmm. company called aam which is american axle and manufacturing mm -hmm. Is that something that you always wanted to get into? No, manufacturing, not really. Or like automotive even, not really. There were definitely really cool things about marketing. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, initially when you start college, you don't really know what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, I was like, I'm going to do something different and creative. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at this. So mm -hmm. I went into marketing. Mm. And is there any sources or any type of inspiration that you had in going to marketing? Okay, so a couple of things. One, my one of my mentors, like unofficial mentors, like mm -hmm. we have um, these official advisors, mm -hmm. and this other in professor your college. Mm -hmm, in my college, okay. and this other professor was an unofficial one, and mm -hmm. she was sort of everything I, I admired. She was like, mm -hmm. she it seemed her life was put together. She mm -hmm. was like a professor there, but she used to work for like. Procter & Gamble. She mm -hmm. did digital marketing and did all this stuff and like worked her way up. She went to Harvard Business School, like mm -hmm. all these things that I was like, wow, this is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm creative and I'm different. And mm -hmm. this isn't something that my parents like really know much about. So like I'm kind of on my own with this track. But mm -hmm. I was like, I can prove myself in this field and I feel like I could do really well. Mm -hmm. um, and marketing seemed like really creative and fun, especially to someone who is like a young grad you know right you like look at your career you're like wow what do i want to do every single day mm -hmm. do some internships and i think that's the thing like internships really help you like get a taste of like the fun stuff and in, in work mm -hmm. like a lot of times like internships when you do them and they're very structured they try to put you on cool projects and they mm -hmm. try to like make you do things that are they think you think would be cool so mm -hmm. like one of my internships was at amway corporation also mm -hmm. big in michigan it's like this um international company that does direct selling like think like mary Kay, think mm -hmm. like pyramid scheme just kidding don't but <laughs> <laughs> but maybe <laughs> um but it's like direct selling stuff and they had like a lot of beauty products and they mm -hmm. had a lot of healthcare products like protein powders shakes like mm -hmm. stuff like that and like home goods and so like they put me on a beauty product which was amazing and they're mm -hmm. like remake this website and i was mm -hmm. like yay and then i had all of these sample products so I, I to this day i have a lot of artistry skincare products because wow. it's just a bunch of freebies and Great i was like perks. wow marketing is so cool yeah they yeah. were like technically like marketing to the student to oh, do marketing okay. and it worked Oh, that's great yeah. that sounds great and how many years did you work in marketing after graduating 
Uh, I would say like two and a half maybe. Okay. So I first, so I did that internship and then I graduated. I was like, wow, I want to go into marketing. Mm-hmm. It's a tough field to actually just jump into if mm-hmm. I'm coming from a small private liberal arts school like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied to a lot of jobs, um, got a couple of interviews, but typically what happens in a marketing career is a lot of people don't know this. And I may be like generalizing, maybe it's different, but this is what I was told would happen. Mm-hmm was that you started a marketing agency mm-hmm. and these agencies work for like the big corporations. And mm-hmm. so they actually create all the content. They have designers, they like write all the the slogans and the copy and whatever, and they present it to a big company like Kraft. And they're like, oh, do you okay. like this for your mac and cheese? And they're like, yeah, we like this. We'll pay you big bucks for it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how it works um, on the agency side. And mm-hmm. then eventually you work your way up in the agency and you're like project manager and then like mm-hmm. whatever. And then maybe one day you switch you leave and like work for a big corporation and then you're a marketing person at a corporation. Hmm. And so that's kind of how you climb the corporate marketing ladder. Mm-hmm. I was lucky and went straight to corporation. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do the agency stuff, which honestly would have probably taught me a lot and it mm-hmm. would have been like more cutthroat too. Mm-hmm. But I just start, went straight into corporate marketing in um, automotive and mm-hmm. it was like I was the one sort of like looking over agency stuff and being like oh I don't like this can you change this this is not our color or like giving them feedback to like where they do all the legwork and then corporate marketing makes the decisions mm-hmm. and like that's something that I was like wow I got lucky I got, <laughs> I got to do this but then also on the other end of stuff like the marketing for an automotive company it was fun, but it was also different because to get even deeper into this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. marketing, the, the company, it also depends on if you're like direct to customer, like business to customer or business to business. And our company was business to business. So mm-hmm. I was marketing to other companies like GM, mm-hmm. like everyone's familiar with GM, Ford. Mm-hmm. So I we were marketing to Chrysler, GM, Ford on our materials to put into their cars because they actually mm-hmm. don't make all of their cars from like scratch, like their drivetrain, their mm-hmm. like gears and stuff they get from AAM. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was marketing for. And like for me, I was just pumped cause I got a job. So mm-hmm. I was like, yay, first job. I didn't really think too much about it, but the more I got into it, the more I was like, mm, you know, I think I want to do more business to consumer. Yeah. And, and well, so kind of looking in hindsight, you're, you're a medical student now. Mm-hmm. There had to be a point in which you felt that marketing wasn't really for you. Um, do you have one event, one instance where I feel like it was like a long progression. Like so first I started I was working at AAM and I was like, ah, oh, I don't really like doing business to business. Maybe like something about it was like, eh, I don't love it. Like it's not fulfilling. And something it really changes when you're like from an internship from your when you're a college student and you're like working a summer job or you're working a summer internship. It's different than when you work a full time job and a career, because when you start working full time Mm -hmm. and you start building out your career path, like, oh, I want to get promoted here and like writing out your goals, Mm -hmm. you realize like this is for the rest of my life. Like Mm -hmm. I have like 20 vacation days a year for the rest of my life. And like every single day I'm going to be doing this. And like that's when the realization hit, I think, after my first year there. Mm. I was like, maybe it's maybe it's because I'm in automotive. Maybe I'll try something else. Mm. So that's when I started applying to other jobs. And then I got a job at Domino's Pizza, which was mm. like honestly so much fun. <laughs> it was so fun. I was like amazed that I even got the job. But wow, it was so fun. You wouldn't expect that from Domino's Pizza. Dude, Domino's, is uh, their headquarters is in Michigan, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect either. 
but like they had this like cult like happiness mm. in this company that like everybody just loves being there they love working there they have great morale they give great bonuses mm -hmm. like everyone's super nice like they do cool things and digital marketing was arguably probably one of the cooler things mm -hmm. that i did there um and so like that being said if you stay there for a year if you do anything for a year it really makes you reflect like mm -hmm. you're like wow it's been a year now like you know what what is my life like what's it going to be like in the next 40 years and that's like kind of like when I started realizing, you know, maybe I need something more meaningful. Mm. And that's that's mm. sort of like a slow realization. I don't think it was like a moment. I don't mm -hmm. think it was like a specific like snap. Oh, my gosh, I want to be a doctor. It's like yeah. it was like a couple of things coming together and like just like seeing things around me. I was volunteering at this hospital mm. while you were working at Domino's. Mm -hmm. OK. And it was like uh, it's called hospital. This program at university. So, OK, so to backtrack. Um, Domino's headquarters is in Ann Arbor, Michigan, mm -hmm. and so is University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And University of Michigan's medical school has this healthcare system, and they have this volunteer program where it's called the Hospital Elder Life Program. I think it's a national program, but they like implemented it there in mm -hmm. Michigan. Mm -hmm. And you basically work with geriatric patients and like help make sure that they are like able to maintain their range of motion, mm -hmm. like mental state of mind, so that they can like transition to home more easily mm -hmm. because. When elderly patients stay at the hospital a little bit too long, they they like lose some independence, and you try to like make sure that they don't lose as much independence. Mm. And so you work with a lot of patients, and I was just exposed to like the healthcare system that I hadn't been previously in marketing, and I was like, this seems really, really meaningful and important. Mm. And like even though I was a volunteer, sometimes they gave me responsibilities that I was like, this is way more important than putting an ad on Facebook. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, what? And I'm not even getting paid for this. Um, so yeah, so that also compiled. And I think that um, a lot of things just kind of added up. And I was like, you know, I don't know that marketing would be fulfilling enough for me. I think it was really, really fun. And I still think it's really fun. It's mm -hmm. probably the most fun thing that I ever did <laughs> while getting paid. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So you say you attended that uh, volunteering program at University of Michigan. What kind of piqued your interest into that program? Well, so to like bring it back a little bit more, I have family friend. I have a family friend who mm -hmm. is currently a fourth year medical student at University of Michigan, but mm -hmm. at that time he was a first year student, mm -hmm. and so we were hanging out a lot because we were just in Ann Arbor together, and we mm -hmm. like had mutual friends and stuff, and so like seeing like his interaction with the healthcare system, what he mm -hmm. was learning, the mm -hmm. things he was doing him and his friends, like just a bunch of things just kind of like got me more involved. Mm. And I think also having a physician in the family, my dad is a doctor. Mm. Okay. Um, it was something I was familiar with, but it wasn't anything I really like wanted to delve into when I was in college. Cause I was like, eh, this is too much work. <laughs> like it seems like a lot of years of school for me. Like, yeah. I'm not sure about that. Like, you know, that was always like I, my dismissive attitude about it when mm. I was in college. Mm. But like, I think coming into the workforce and thinking about like, okay, this is my career and these are my goals and like I'm going to be doing this for 40 years. Mm -hmm. I think realizing that was very, like looking back at college and being like thinking that school was too much work is really naive of me. Because also another thing I realized in marketing is that, yeah, it's like fun and games and stuff, but there's still a lot of analytics. There are a lot of tough decisions that you have to make and there are a lot, there's a lot of like legwork that goes into everyday stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be good at anything, you have to put in work. So like for me to be dismissive about it and not really like 
delve into it in undergrad, that was like something that I think was just like a maturity thing that I eventually overcame. And you said your father was is a physician. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have an idea of how to get into medical school because he was a physician? Or? Actually, no. It was actually very different. So my dad is a physician, but he was actually he was an attending physician in China before he moved to the U.S. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm Chinese, and my parents are from China, mm-hmm. and I was born in the U.S., mm-hmm. and my dad was already an attending physician, but he wanted to come to America, and mm-hmm. I think I, I, there are a lot of reasons. I'm not really sure why specifically, mm-hmm. but he and my mom came to America, did research at um, UNC Chapel Hill, like mm-hmm. University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, for like four or five years, Um that's also where I was born. Fun fact, I was born in North Carolina. <laughs> I've been all over the place. Um, but he, yeah, so he did research there and then had to repass his boards, but like in English, which right, is like right. challenging um, enough already. And then, yeah, and then he did his residency mm. at University of Chicago, mm. here actually in Chicago. Um, and then like briefly did a fellowship in LA and mm. then ended up moving to Michigan. So. He was familiar with like the board exam process, right? But he had already he's already a doc he's already a doctor in a different country, so he didn't really know anything about like the medical school process and like what it was like or the MCAT or anything like mm-hmm. that. I don't think he was really even familiar with it or like he like heard about it. it was like oh, I heard. <laughs> well, that also include includes like going to college, um, mm-hmm. going into pre med classes, yeah, and trying to like do a lot of check boxes like doing volunteering, shadowing, yeah. a lot of a little bit of research here and there and so you're on your own for that. Yeah, it's actually really different too because when he was a pre-med in China, mm-hmm. he had a special circumstance and I'm not sure on the details, but I do know that he was able to get an, a really early education because he was very academically successful. Mm-hmm. So he was went to boarding school from really young age, mm-hmm. like completely paid for. He went to med school by the time he was 16 mm. and like finished med school by the time he was 22. Mm. And so I don't know if they had like a fast track program or like whatever that they did there, mm. but he finished um, just like in a totally, he was a doctor by 22, which mm. is like unusual yeah. and like, yeah, just totally different. So mm. not totally sure about the pre-med classes, but I mean, like I knew about them because like you, everyone has like some pre-med friends, even if you're not in like pre-med because right. freshman year, everyone wants to be pre-med. <laughs> everyone's pre-med, pre-law. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Everyone is pre-med, pre-law. Um, and so you like hear about it, but it wasn't until like I did my post back. Mm-hmm. So this goes to like, I decided, oh, I think I think I want to be a doctor. I quit my job after I got accepted to University of Michigan's post-bac program. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned like all the things I needed to do. Like you need to like, and thankfully, honestly, I had like some volunteer experience from before. Right. I never had any research. That was my biggest mm-hmm. like setback as a non-traditional student, which mm-hmm. like, I don't know that it's necessarily a setback. Cause some people don't like some people value work experience too, mm-hmm. but I didn't have like bench work research, like basic science research. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what an IRB was. Right. I didn't know, like I knew about scientific writing because of psychology, but I didn't know like the details into like all of the th- paperwork that needed to be done in order for a project to move forward. Well, so one of the things in pre-med is, you know, research is good, but it's not 
completely necessary to get into medical school. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who try to get into med school try to have a lot of research experience, not to only uh, boost their pre-med application, but you know, if you want to get into medical school and you want to apply to residencies, research is something that some competitive specialties always try to look for, right? Yeah. And so I think in that way, research would be beneficial, but I, I don't think it's completely necessary. And you always have enough time during your medical school, if you want, to get into research projects and everything. Yeah, so. that's definitely true. I will say, though, as a non-traditional student, when you're filling out your AMCAS application, it mm -hmm. does look like a gaping hole. When it's like the section about research, like, you know how you have a drop down menu, you mm -hmm. have different categories. It's like mm -hmm. research and like eh, none. Right. But um, so like that's something that and all these. Yeah. So that's something that the post back program was able to like really. That's why I was like really grateful for it. Some people don't take a post back program. They just mm -hmm. take classes like on their own separately, mm -hmm. which honestly maybe is cheaper. I'm actually I haven't done the math, mm -hmm. but um, is like more cost effective to like right. get your prereqs done. Right. But the post back did a great job in helping me write my application mm -hmm. like down to like the word the verb that i used mm -hmm. um and they helped me like write my personal statement edit it be like what does this come off like mm -hmm. you don't want to say this you want to say it more like this because what are you trying to what are you trying to show in this sentence like mm -hmm. what are you making sure that these people know just like different things that i never would have like had the help of mm -hmm basically like a an admissions counselor or like what is it called like those essay help me there you know how there's like princeton review they like right. have those like essay writer or like right. people that help you write essays and stuff yeah. it's like that but like they're academic advisors which like you would normally get as a, an undergrad mm -hmm. in pre-med but i didn't have it because i wasn't pre-med yeah, and so you have to re you have to retake all the science courses from yeah. zero. Okay, mm -hmm. I mean not all of them. I think I took like a, a chemistry class, mm -hmm. like undergrad. Because first year, freshman year, undergrad, you don't declare your major yet. You just kind of take classes, and you're like, oh, this looks nice. like I took some art classes. I took some music classes, a theater class. I don't know, liberal arts school. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so, I had a chemistry class. Luckily, never took physics. Avoided physics all my life. Literally okay. avoided it. Like in high school, I took it, but like barely. Mm. And so, like in my post back when I had to take physics, I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, what are vectors? And then in the lecture, I remember the first lecture was about vectors. Yeah. And it's like tail to tip, tail to tip. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're just like, you guys remember this from high school stuff. Like, this looks familiar. And I was like, I have never seen this in my life. <laughs> What is a vector? This is too abstract for me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So I, yeah, I had to take a lot of classes. And the U of M's post program is like technically like the formal track. I mean, there's no real formal track for a post -bac, but like mm -hmm. it's like an, a year. Mm. <clears throat> so you're supposed to like, it's a little more than a year. You start in the summer, like in May, mm -hmm. and then you finish in time to like, in May again, in time to like take your MCAT and then mm -hmm. apply. So it's really like, dense and you take a lot of heavy classes at once like so i took like 12 month program yeah really heavy hitting yeah some people can take take longer or like don't want to do as many all at once so they mm -hmm. spread it out more mm -hmm. because it's one like cost less and like two it's just like you maybe do better mm -hmm. but i was like yeah i don't know i'm like already <laughs> like 25 so i should just get started <laughs> <laughs> and so like yeah i remember like i took like organic chemistry one lab mm -hmm. physics one lab and then like biochem and it was mm. rough. Wow. Like, it was bad. 
or something like that. I don't remember. I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, so that's your first class since you graduated college, like three years prior. Oh yeah, that's another thing. It was so weird being back at school, mm-hmm. and it was like on an undergrad campus. Mm-hmm. It was with all these other undergrads, and you're like sitting in a because some some post back programs do have their own separate classes. Yeah. But this one was just like in the mass like undergrad campus, like your bio one, like your basic bio class is just with all the other bio people. Oh, so it's not like a specialized class for your mm-hmm. post back people. You just take the same classes with everyone. Yes. But you get your own um, advisors. Advisors. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I our see. own. Adv- yeah. So for like med- so that's like the benefit. But yeah, the classes were all with undergrads. Mm-hmm. And like I'm sitting there and trying to like pay attention to my class and these like girls who were like 18 talking about the party last night and like they just like have <laughs> such different priorities right. which like honestly i was exactly like that when i was like nothing wrong with that like yeah. i probably still do that in lecture now <laughs> to be <laughs> honest like we haven't gotten that far but right. like you know i'm like fresh like just quit my job threw right. away a whole career i'm right. like just sitting in this bio class like trying to take notes and i'm like oh man like i'm really with these like really young people <laughs> and that must well, this might be assuming, but did that cause you a little bit of anxiety, like trying to, the realization that you kind of threw away your career, um, maybe something that you gave up and so you can pursue something better? Yes, there is actually okay. a lot of pressure. So I had a really good support system. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were really supportive, mm-hmm. both like just like emotionally, they were like, you know, it's like whatever, but like just follow your, do what you want to do because we know that if you're passionate about something, you'll do it well. Mm. Like that's what, if anything, <laughs> from parenting, that's what they've learned <laughs> by raising me. Yeah. Um, and so they were really supportive. I had friends that were really supportive. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I don't know, like I had a whole career. To, like Domino's was really great. Mm-hmm. Like the pay was good. The work was fun. It just wasn't like super intellectually stimulating. But like mm-hmm. there's always new technology coming out. Right. So we're always working with new stuff. Like mm-hmm. Snapchat will come up with like a new like, lens that you can do and we're like oh my gosh how can we use this to like create more sales or create more awareness around our new like pepperoni pizza new crust whatever (laughs) like it's always like you're always like on the edge of like technology and like new things that are coming out Mm -hmm. but also and like they did a really good job of like you know after you're like eight months in one position if you wanted to switch to or a year in one position if you want to switch to a different role within the marketing team you could Mm -hmm. and they rotate people through so like a next rotation I would have done probably would have been international. Like mm-hmm. I could have gone to Europe and mm-hmm. done this thing. So it was really cool. And like that was part of the anxiety for like, oh, I just like threw this away. Right. And like I'm pursuing something that I might not even. That's another thing. It's not like I quit marketing to be in med school. I quit marketing to apply to try to be in med school. Right. So that was probably the most anxiety inducing because it's like I quit this career that I had like a lot going for me and then I don't even know if I'll get into med school. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing for me. But I think that anxiety really like made me more motivated and mm-hmm. it kept me in check. Like if you're ever like, if I ever felt like burnt out or like, oh, I don't want to like go to lecture today or I don't want to whatever because it's snowing. Right. It was something that I'm like, no, you need to go because one, you're paying a lot of money for this. Mm-hmm. And two, you're like, you literally threw away a career, so mm-hmm. you should really go to lecture. <laughs> it's worth it, probably. <laughs> oh. And so after taking classes, I mean, so you're there, you finish your last class, and biochem was just the worst thing in your life. <laughs> and so you're trying to move on, and you're trying to apply to medical school. And so this is the first time you applied to any professional mm-hmm. graduate school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
aside from the post back. Yeah. And so, w- is there anything that kind of stood out at you that you're like, whoa, what is this like? Yeah, I was really surprised at how much writing there was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I knew that there was like the it was like the 15 experiences like. You had to think back to all the experiences that you had, write something about it and like why it's relevant to your application. And mm-hmm. that was like, whoa, I did not know. <laughs> I like you just hear about the personal statement. That's right. like everyone knows you have to write a personal statement for like right. every like grad school application. Like, why do you want to be a doctor? Like mm-hmm. whatever. But that's like that wasn't like the one that took the most time, I don't think. I think mm-hmm. it was like writing the 15 different um, experiences. So mm-hmm. that was surprising. Also really surprising at like how many of my peers in my post back were had other degrees so in my post back there were a lot there were some students that were like fresh out of undergrad who like wanted to take more classes and there are a lot of people who were like even older than i was oh okay yeah so they were like there was like one guy who was um a lawyer just got his jd Mm. and was like i want to be a doctor now and so he (laughs) has an actual jd so like when he was filling out his application or my other friends who like have gre scores and stuff Mm -hmm. they like had these scores and other things to put in and i was like oh I just, just my undergrad degree and I worked for a couple of years. Hopefully that means a lot. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. And so in regards to doing your application, like when did you start writing all these things? Honestly, um, our post-bac program had to start writing really early Mm -hmm. because like while we were doing classes, so like say I'm applying like in May when all my stuff is done. Mm -hmm. Um, I started working on it in I would say September October of the year before Mm -hmm. because he was a lot of them they were just like you already know your experiences like your work experiences Mm -hmm. like you've already quit your job none of that's changing it's not like you're adding stuff so like start working on it now Mm because the writing will take more time and honestly there were like 20 of us postback students and like three advisors Mm -hmm. so if we wanted time with them to like go over our writing and stuff we had to like do it early so they they would have time so like Mm -hmm. Um, also, a lot of the things that you did at work is mm-hmm. still fresh when you just quit your job. Right. <laughs> so, I yeah. So, I started writing it like September, October. Oh. Yeah. Well, so another thing that we could touch on is uh, recommendation letters. And mm. so, a lot of your classes are filled with undergrads. And mm-hmm. was it hard to get recommendation letters from professors? Yes. Okay. I will say some schools required... Um, a letter of rec from like an intro bio class or intro right. chem class. Right. And these classes I'm taking with undergrads and they are like a million people in them mm-hmm. compared to like my undergrad that was like a small school, liberal arts school, you know. And I was so many years out of school. I was like maybe three, two, two years out of school. But if, it, if we're talking about like a freshman year class, I'm like right. five years, six years out of that. Right. Like to reach back out to a professor and like be like, hey, can you write me a letter? That was like almost like unheard of like i don't know it, if you remember me but. yeah it wouldn't even be a good letter i right, feel like right. and so um so yeah so that was something that they we were made aware of in the very beginning of our post pack mm. so i knew to like make sure and go to office hours and talk to my professors like even if i knew what was going on in my bio class or mm-hmm. just to like introduce myself as an older non-traditional student and mm-hmm. i think because i introduced myself that way they respected me a little bit more and I stood out a little bit more than like some of the undergrads that were going into their office hours. Mm-hmm. So be very proactive. Yeah. Go in there early and yeah. then show face. That is really, that was actually hard to do because you have to actively be like, okay, well now I have to go do this like basically networking thing to like mm-hmm. 
so that I can ask her for a letter later because I'm going to need one because mm-hmm. I don't have any. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really great for your program to tell you that yeah. that's what you needed to do. Yeah, the program was really good about telling me that. And then the other letters that were like other things that are related to work or research or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I just recently like started, they, this program also had me start a research prog- like a research position. Oh, wow. Um, they help you find research. They connect you to stuff, but ultimately it's still on your own to find research because mm-hmm. it's not really required for your application. It's just nice right. to have. Right. So I had that too. And then um, I could always reach out back out to like my old bosses from work. Mm-hmm. Those were, I think, really good letters because I think like, I left on really good terms. I think mm-hmm. I was doing well there and they mm-hmm. were like kind of inspired by the fact that I just quit my job to go try to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're a little bit like, why are you doing this? But okay, I'm supportive, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so those are probably some good letters. Well, so far you, you've you done well. Um, you're a medical student now. and Getting by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of smart people here. Yeah. Well, so- is there any skills that you find transferable from marketing to, I guess, medical school or even applying to medical school? Interestingly, I think a lot of the things that I found in what I worked, what I did in marketing at Domino's is a lot like research here. Hmm. So it's here right now for like the STAR research program or whatever research program you want to do, mm-hmm. you think of a problem, you think of a solution, a mm-hmm. hypothesis, and then try mm-hmm. to build a research project around it. Right. Um, that is a lot of basically exactly what I did at Domino's, mm-hmm. except I was trying to change ways to advertise to mm-hmm. generate more revenue. Mm-hmm. So it's a little the motive is different because you're trying to improve patient care and right. outcomes right. and with Domino's you're trying to make more money. Right. But ultimately it was like I did a lot of A B testing, which is like you would like run ads with like one image or mm-hmm. a slogan or a mm-hmm. deal and then mm-hmm. run another ad with a different image and slogan mm. and then you would like run it on different populations but like facebook is nice because you can do it on like eight million people at a time right get really good data and then parse through that data and see if it's statistically significant mm. so a lot of times like i during marketing like i was coming up with these ideas like oh you know it's really cold during the winter in these states and these people probably don't want to leave their home so what if we targeted people within a two mile radius of these domino stores and Mm. targeted those ads and see if we can generate more than if we just did like normal. And so these are like the problem solving and like the proactive like thinking Mm -hmm. that is really involved in research a lot. And that's not something that I realized was happening until I was like, oh, just think of something that needs improving. I mean, like easier said than done, but <laughs> but it's like very similar. The mindset, the like the proactiveness, the the thinking, the scientific thinking mm-hmm. about like how can you set up this this problem so that you can see what the outcomes are and compare. Mm-hmm. That I think is very similar to the stuff I was doing in marketing. Wow, and a lot of the things that's transferable, you're just applying to it, like while you're a medical student now, trying to get your research work done trying to see healthcare outcomes and all these data statistics work that you have doing currently, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually just getting started on a research project, so Mm -hmm. I can't talk too much about it now, but Mm -hmm. I do know a lot of research projects around here are just about like quality improvement Mm -hmm. and improving patient outcomes and like Mm -hmm. looking at chart data and looking retroactively, Mm -hmm. retrospectively to see if there can be any future improvements or if there are any differences that are significant. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, um, that I did similar to like what I did before in digital marketing. Mm -hmm. I also think my presentation skills are a lot better since, Mm -hmm. uh, since like undergrad, 
now that I have worked in marketing because to be, I don't like to be in the marketing role I was in, I had to present pretty regularly mm-hmm. on profits, on my ideas and on any losses, like mm-hmm. when my ideas didn't go well. And that's not a pretty presentation, right, right. but you do have to report to like the higher ups right. and like leadership on like how you're using the money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that I think is something that like I am more comfortable doing now. So mm-hmm. like, for example, last year I did, this was during my gap year after my post back last year, I did poster presentations and I was not worried at all. Like it was like, there was no anxiety, like hmm. just because I know that like doing a poster presentation is teaching someone about some of the research that you're working on. That's really cool and interesting and not reporting that you lost $20,000 <laughs> based off of this idea that you had yeah. <laughs> that may not have been profitable. That's a way harder conversation <laughs> to have. Right. Not that that happened. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one, I think one unique thing about you is you also have, you have research in another field, like other than science, right? You have a publication. Yeah. So then I wouldn't call that research. That was actually, so in our um, undergrad institution, we had to do a senior thesis Mm -hmm. to graduate. And my senior thesis was business-based because I was mostly like, I was going into business field. Um, And it was based off the internship that you did. So I published like this, uh, it's like a little, it's just a thesis Mm -hmm. um, about like a marketing plan improvement for the Amway's East Spring water filter Mm -hmm. in like um, China or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so during your interviews, did anyone kind of bring that up? Um, they didn't bring up specifically that publication, but they did bring up Domino's. Okay. Um, and like what, what what it was like to like quit my job. Mm-hmm. They asked about what I thought about how technology is influencing healthcare now, mm-hmm. because I was talking about how te- technology moves very quickly in digital mm-hmm. marketing and right. how you're like always kind of on your toes. Right. And so that was kind of an interesting conversation. Um, I actually learned a lot from my interviewer here, who was talking. Um, about how VR is going to be a big thing and teaching, yeah, yeah, virtual reality and teaching students. Mm-hmm. And I was really intrigued because I I remember this specific conversation. This might be a tangent, but um, but that I was like, how can you VR doesn't look real enough for right. it to be super applicable in a way like for health for right. for healthcare, right? right? It just doesn't. It just looks like a video game. Still, it looks cool, but it's still a video game. Mm-hmm. Like you, it would actually be kind of freaky if it looked real, right? Um, and this doctor was like, you know, instead of having the actual things in the VR look real, they kind of, he tries to put you in a state of mind where you are experiencing some things. Someone, so they were like, if somebody had, you know, like only one, like a hand amputated or something, you would be wearing the VR of a person, of an amputee's um, life. And then you would see how like dinner would look and how people would treat you and like the experience of being that patient that entire visual experience of how you go out. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like just how people respond to you as mm. an amputee mm. is like very different from like trying to make an amputation look real in VR. Wow. Yeah. So he was like, VR is being used right now. Like, yeah, for teaching, like for procedural teaching in mm. medical school, but also for like experiential stuff mm. so that people can understand what it's like to be a patient, which I think that was really cool. Wow. Super tangent, but... <laughs> Cool. That's cool. And so uh, after your postback program uh, and before getting into medical school, uh, what were you doing? Um, so I moved out to San Francisco because 
I love California. <laughs> <laughs> Moved out to San Francisco, and I worked as a neuroimaging research coordinator at Stanford. Okay. And so this was really cool because um, the project specifically was looking at anxiety, specific social anxiety, and looking at these um, learning patterns in the brain or like specific circuits in the brain that um, are associated with socially anxious patients. Oh. And so trying to understand what that circuit looks like and then understanding if there's any correlation with that in extinction learning and extinction recall. Mm. So that's a whole nother thing that I can get into yeah. for like hours about extinction recall. But basically it's we think that th this is a prospective study, so right. it's going on for years. But someone's ability to unlearn something that is fearful for them is related to how people like avoid things that make them anxious. Mm. And then if you're able to like expose yourself to this thing that makes you anxious mm -hmm. and learn that it's okay, mm -hmm. then you're able to become not anxious. Wow. Yeah. So that was really cool. And the coolest part, I think, was that I got trained to use an MRI, operate an MRI. Wow. An fMRI. And that took a lot of training because magnets are dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and you're also putting, it, they're, they're dangerous and they're loud. And you're putting mm -hmm. a very anxious patient in mm. a very loud and dangerous thing. And it sounds, it, it looks like a spaceship. Yeah, and like whirs yeah. and like makes a lot of loud sounds yeah. for like an hour. Right, right. Like a lot, which is actually on the short end of some of the studies that that, our, that team did. Some some oh. studies go for like seven hours. Imagine being in that for seven hours. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah, it was very fun. Very interesting. Mm. So after you submit your primary application and you started your job right after your postback, mm -hmm. um, did you have trouble trying to write your secondary application along with the job? Mm, yeah. So secondary applications, I actually was proactive about and wrote them already. And oh, so you, okay. like going on Student Doctor Network, you can mm -hmm. see what the secondaries are. Mm -hmm. Yes, I start drafting them, started having my advisors look at them already. So like I was ready. Some of them, they send you a secondary apps right away. Some right. of them, they don't and you wait. Right. And right. so I had these essays ready to go. Oh. And so that that's how I was like more quick with secondary applications. Mm -hmm. That being said, I actually applied very, very late. Mm -hmm. And that's because I pushed back my MCAT date. Oh, okay. Um, I was like finishing up some classes. And I just didn't feel like I had enough time to study mm -hmm. like the amount I wanted to mm -hmm. while taking classes. And then by the time it came time to take the test, I was like, no, I'm not ready. I need to study. Mm -hmm. And so I, I didn't take my MCAT until late July. Late July. Okay. Yeah. And so I didn't get my score till August. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't actually like submit everything, including secondary apps until, well, I was like working on them and stuff, but right. I didn't get them until like mid-September, late September, Wow, which is yeah. pretty late. Yeah. And, and that's, that's when, that's usually when about maybe the first interview yeah. season goes So out. I'm like already like bottom of the pool. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, um, I only applied to five schools. Oh, you only applied to five medical schools. Yeah. So I applied okay. to five medical schools because these are the five that I knew that if I got in, I would go for sure. Mm -hmm. And I really like these schools, mm -hmm. but also didn't want to blow like thousands and thousands of dollars applying to right. 15 schools knowing right. that I applied super late. And I was just kind of like saying, if I don't get in this year, like I'll just do next year. I'll just try again and mm -hmm. go next year. I was like, you know, this is like a long career what's another year i've already like thrown away three years in a different career so i'm like oh what's another year yeah. so i was like okay well i'm gonna like really apply to these five schools and so yeah and what drove you to decide to only apply to five schools as, as opposed to honestly money 
Mm. Money and time. I was of the mindset that like if I didn't get into these schools, I would apply later. And honestly, it's easier, I think, in my opinion, to show up with an application um, brand new to a school that is a stretch than to be a reapplicant there. Mm. Right. So like mm. that was kind of my strategy. Mm. I don't know if it's true at all. I have mm. no idea. Um, but I applied to these five because I really wanted to go to these five. Mm. Um, and like at that point, I was just starting my Stanford research. So right. that would be a new thing that I could put on my application for next cycle. If I didn't get in, mm. I could reapply. And I think I, I think that research would be like interesting and cool and unique enough that it and would stand out. Yeah, and you're continually working on your application even yeah. during your the cycle that you're applying to medical school. Right. So like that's another yeah, like so when they look at your um reapps, they always look at what have you done differently? Right. Like what have you continued to do? And that right. was something that I was like, Okay, this would be different enough. Hmm. But I didn't want to have to do that for all of the schools. I don't hmm. want to be a reapplicant at fifteen schools. Right, right. So yeah. You only applied to five. Yeah, I applied to five that I really wanted to go to. Okay. Yeah. And I'm assuming that this is one of the five schools. It worked out. <laughs> it in did. hindsight. In hindsight. Yeah, but that's actually out. very smart of you because, um, first of all, it takes a lot of money to apply to schools, uh, submitting the primary and secondary application. And it, even if you get interviews, you have to fly there and yeah. all these things. And It's expensive. Right. And I think uh, some of the consensus that uh, I personally know at least the advices that I've gotten, it's better to be a first applicant to the school mm -hmm. with all your application ready and, you know, submitted on the first day mm -hmm. rather than trying to be late and you're a reapplicant and yeah. any of those kind of things. Yeah. So I was like in my mind, I was like next year, like right. I'm going to be the first one in and right. I'm going to have the score. And right. I was like, I even had time to retake my MCAT. So I was thinking about retaking it because I had the extra, an extra year. Mm -hmm. I was like, might as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And, Honestly, it did save a lot of money. And mm -hmm. like as a non-traditional student, like I've been out of college mm -hmm. for a lot of years. It's mm -hmm. not something that I can like go to my parents and be like, can I have some money for right. this application? Right? right. This is from my own savings. Mm -hmm. And this is like I'm working mm -hmm. and research, which doesn't pay a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, and you're okay. living in California. Yeah. And like I'm a little too old to be asking for money. That's right. another thing. Like right. not that I don't because I definitely do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but like it just feels different when you're asking your parents for money and you're 26 years old. Mm. It's just different, especially when I've already been independent and like had a career, mm -hmm. had like my own car, mm -hmm. paid my own insurance, like mm -hmm. my own phone. Like when you are independent and then you go back to being a student, it's really weird to transition and like ask your parents for money. Mm -hmm. So that was another thing that like finance was a big issue and I was trying to be smart with my applications. Right. And so um, after you submitted about late September, um, if you mind me asking, when when did you get your first acceptance? To medical school do you remember may around may yeah so were i was kind of late yeah so were you preparing to actually reapply again yeah mm -hmm. okay. i had my application ready to start all over again mm -hmm. resubmit mm -hmm. i was actually like working on a protocol paper i was mm -hmm. like planning to stay there for another year mm -hmm. like everything i didn't get until the very last minute but mm -hmm. i like also wasn't super surprised because i was like the bottom like I was the one of the last people probably to submit mm. so like to even get to my application I was like they probably haven't even seen it yet right. by the time people were getting interviews right so I was like not totally surprised but also like I was gonna I was like well if I don't get in this cycle there's a lot I can learn from this and then just like go in strong next cycle it's gonna be good I mean it seems that you have a very good mix of like realism 
and optimism yeah. kind of in you and you weren't really pessimistic about it mm-hmm. you knew your situation you knew what you were getting into and you had a backup plan too yeah and you were really following through with it and congratulations they all worked all worked out for you yeah <laughs> and i passed my exam <laughs> right right well so if you if you're looking back kind of through your entire uh, journey to medicine here from from marketing to post back to MCAT application interview and everything here like is there anything that you would have done uh, differently done differently I think I would have submitted my application earlier mm-hmm. if possible yeah. I don't know I'm not totally sure that pushing back my MCAT really helped that much mm-hmm. that's another thing like I'm not to- that's something I'm just like sitting on and I'm like eh, I don't know if that really helped that much like and if I had submitted it earlier I might have gotten more looks in the beginning because mm. the the schedule I was on if I had taken my MCAT or the, at the original plan time is that I would be my app would be in first thing mm. like it was so it was I was supposed to take it in like May oh okay <laughs> yeah and I pushed it back and I don't know how much that actually helped mm. realistically so that's something that maybe I would reconsider. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's easy to say now because I'm in med school. But like yeah. when you're actually sitting there like, oh, do I push it back? Like, I, I don't know. It's just too easy to push back. Yeah. And I mean, did you use the time? So you took it in late July. So you had like about two months mm-hmm. in between. Did you use that time? Do you think? I don't know that I did. That's okay. another thing. Like when I, like just being done with my post-bac classes was such a nice break mm. that I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was kind of relaxed, but then I was like, oh no, I have to study for the MCAT. And I tried to get myself to get back into it, but it's just mm. so hard to, when it's summer, right? like right. you're finally relaxed after a year of just like taking crazy hard classes. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I don't know that it was that productive, hmm. but that's on me, honestly. That's a me thing. <laughs> right, right. Let's see, last question would be, do you have any comments or advice regarding future pre-med applicants who either come from business or marketing or just kind of is transitioning right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for anyone who like thinks that they want to quit their job and yeah. <laughs> go into a new career, you mean? Yeah. Um, I would say really take time to reflect and decide, see why you want to do it. Are you just bored with your current job? Are you mm-hmm. trying different jobs? Is it a, like a longer term life issue where you're looking back and saying, I want to do something meaningful with my life? Mm-hmm. Or is it just like you're feeling antsy about your current job right now? Mm-hmm. That's very different. And that's like something that only you will really know. Mm-hmm. Because once you get into this medical field, and like if you do get in, but once you do get in, it's a long, long road. And so like you don't want to be flaky with your career like mm-hmm. you know like that's another thing that's something that um came up when i was that was some of some of the feedback that my advisors and my postback said they were like you building your resume and building your application for this is not just checking boxes mm-hmm. it's to show that you have long-term commitments and that you're not just going to flake on another career after you change your mind like mm-hmm. you flaked on your marketing mm-hmm. career right. are you going to flake again when you decide mar- medicine is too hard that's mm-hmm. something that not everyone thinks about but you definitely don't want to have a flaky nature about your career mm-hmm. and so that's something like i would say like advice really really reflect on why you want to do medicine and what you want your life to be like and then also reflect on 
do you fully understand how long this road is? Like I do because my I see it with my dad mm-hmm. and like I've been around people who are are in the medical field. Mm-hmm. But once once you do understand how long this road is, are you still interested? Mm-hmm. And then don't be afraid to just make the jump. Mm-hmm. There are always going to be people who are supportive. There are always going to be people who are doubting you. I had so many doubters. I had so many they're so annoying. People are like, oh, like, well, it's kind of late, isn't it? Like, good luck. Like, yeah. when are you going to get married and have kids? Like, I don't know. I'll do with that later. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not something you need to worry about. You need to worry about, like, um, what is going to be fulfilling in your life long term. And so, yeah, don't be afraid to make the jump. There will always be people who are supportive. And there is always going to be someone, like, more, like, out of nowhere, like, more older or more experienced or more whatever than you if you do said change like there are always people younger there are always people older don't let that be a barrier to making a career decision okay that sounds great thanks for listening to this episode this would not be possible without the support from our listeners please rate review and subscribe we appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information of our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relationship is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Views and opinions are their own and do not represent any organization. Thank you.